Go on. I've been waiting all night for this, Rachel. Hold on one sec. Go on, Katie. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Come on, baby. There. Come on. There. Come on. Oh, it's going to get there. Oh. It's a good one. Here's the thing, Nikki Haley <laughs> is hoping she's not going to roll. The, they got to put the bumpers in the gutters. people it's january 16th 2024 i'm dave rubin this is the rubin report we're live streaming on rumble youtube and locals post game show rubin report.locals.com and yes the iowa caucus was yesterday it did not go the way i wish it would have gone you win some and you lose some in politics we're gonna unpack all of that, and uh, I think you will see that I will consistently try to do exactly what I've been doing, which is just tell you what I think about things, and and then let the chips fall where they may. But it is, I would say, fairly obvious right now that all of the momentum is in Trump's corner. Uh, we'll pull out some of the numbers, we'll get into some of the speeches, and all that stuff. And then what I really wanna do with today's show is figure out how we can focus. Whether you were for DeSantis in this thing, or even if you're for Nikki Haley, or obviously the bulk of Iowans who were for Donald Trump, we're all roughly on the same team, right? We all roughly do want a border. We all roughly do want uh, capitalism to remain our economic system. Uh, there are basic things. We think that the country, that the United States of America is fundamentally good and our founding was good. Uh, and I think there are a lot of ways we can come together, all the, the slings and the arrows and the nastiness and the owning and the fighting and the destroying, like that's all part of primary politics. Uh, but there is a way bigger enemy here, right? There absolutely is. And I would be saying that even if DeSantis crushed it last night, there's a way bigger enemy here. The enemy, if you're a DeSantis guy, really isn't Trump. And the enemy, if you're a Trump guy, really isn't DeSantis or any other extrapolation of anyone on the Republican side. Uh, Vivek or uh, or Nikki, uh, the the enemy is the communists. Are the communists the enemy? Are the Marxists, the collectivists, largely the radicals who've taken over the Democrat Party, the globalists, all of that stuff? And I think that right now, if it is going to be Trump as the nominee, the best thing that I can do, and anyone who's sort of on the fence, or maybe was a Trump supporter, not as into him anymore, or maybe is going to go, all right. I've never even voted Republican for, before, but I see what's going on on the left, so I've gotta vote for Trump, but I'm not so thrilled. Like the best thing that we can do is push him maybe to be a little bit better than he has been. Uh, if we uphold some honesty, some integrity, uh, some intolerance of the endless nonsense and the owning of everybody, I think maybe that's how our voice can be heard. That That's at least an approach that I'm gonna to try to take. I wanna start actually uh, by not diving right into what happened in Iowa last night, but a story that I heard on Twitter a couple days ago from new Argentinian president, Javier Malay. Uh, this is gonna be in Spanish, so if you're listening on audio only, uh, we're gonna have some subtitles, obviously, I'll try to recap it afterwards. Uh, but here's a little parable about a donkey and the well. Take a listen. Iba un hombre caminando, tenía un burro viejo. Iban caminando juntos, aparece un pozo y el burro se cae del pozo. Entonces el hombre trata de rescatar al burro y no podía, no, la fuerza no le daba. Como no le daba la fuerza, va y pide ayuda. Tampoco tenían fuerza para sacarlo. En lugar de seguir tratando de sacarlo, dicen, bueno, es viejo, déjalo, enterralo vivo. 
Nurro del otro lado dice, pará loco, yo te lo tuve tantos años al lado tuyo ayudándote y ahora me tiraba tierra. Le empiezan a tirar tierra y lo querían enterrar vivo. ¿Qué es lo que sucede? En la medida que le van tirando tierra, adivina que descubre el, el burro. Que con esa tierra la puede reacomodar e ir estando más arriba. Y en un momento cuando creen que le están tirando la palada final, sale del pozo. A mí... Esta manga de delincuentes, con sus socios mediáticos, fauteros y sobrados, han tratado de matar. Sos el burro en la parábola. Exactamente. Y acá estoy de pie y más arriba. Okay. The short of it, for those of you that uh, are listening on audio only, is a man has a donkey, he falls into the well. The guy's like, all right, there's nothing I can do. I can't pull you out of the well. So he starts burying the donkey alive. The donkey's like, what do you mean? I've done all this stuff for you all of these years. And everyone else jumps in and they're just going to bury the donkey alive. And then as they're throwing dirt into the ditch, the donkey realizes, oh, now there's more dirt in the ditch. I can get out of the ditch. I will be back. I will come back. And what Malay is saying there is, I'm the donkey. You, the media, have tried to pile on me. The globalists have tried to pile on me. But I'm here and I'm going to fight. And I think that that's a little bit of kind of where Donald Trump's at right now. But I also think it's a little bit where all of us should be right now. The entire machine has lied to us. Through all, through, through for so many years at this point and through so many stories, right? COVID, Russia collusion, the whole damn thing, uh, that it is time that maybe we got focused again and we, and we had a little hope, a little optimism, a little fortitude and, uh, and got to the future. So, okay, there's a little story of a donkey and a well. Uh, but now let's get to what happened uh, yesterday. Here, of course, are the results of last night. This is from the New York Times. Uh, it was actually quite a low turnout, which some people did expect because the weather was absolutely freezing. So only a little over 100,000 people actually voted in the caucuses. Usually about 200,000 people vote. And Trump did get 51% of that. So you see he's going to get 20 delegates. DeSantis did overperform in that he was lower than 20% in the polls. He was at like 12 or 13% and he ended up with 21%. So he gets eight delegates. Uh, Nikki was right after that uh, with 19%, seven delegates. Uh, Vivek, who immediately dropped out after, uh, got three delegates. And then I don't know who Ryan Blinkley is. I think he might just be a guy that was like showing up to one of the polling stations and was like, hi, I'm Ryan. Anyone want to vote for me? He got 0.7, so good for Ryan. Um, I'll give you more of my thoughts on this in just a second, but Ben Shapiro did a little selfie video last night that I kind of thought summed up the reality of the situation quite well. Here is the very quick story. Donald Trump wins walking away. All of the pollsters called this thing pretty much as soon as the polls open. That raises questions in and of itself about procedure, about whether that affects the final vote tally. But bottom line is they were doing that based on the entrance polling data. Donald Trump is way out ahead. Donald Trump is so far out ahead that the rest of the field can't even see him. This is secretariat against the rest of the field in the 1973 Belmont Stakes. What does that mean going forward? It means that de facto Trump is the nominee. If no one could challenge him in Iowa, if nobody really has a chance of challenging him based on that momentum, going into New Hampshire, if nobody has a challenge for him in South Carolina, then all you can say at this point is that he is preparing for the general election against Joe Biden. And we're already there. Maybe it was always going to be this way. After all, he's been treated by the Republican electorate as the incumbent president. And he's been treated that way because that's how they think of him. Many Republicans think, by the way, that he won the last election against Joe Biden, rightly or wrongly. And so why wouldn't they treat him That way, there might have been a brief moment in time where there were minds that were open to be changed enough to possibly challenge Trump, but that time passed a while ago. And it's pretty obvious at this point that Donald Trump is going to be your Republican nominee in 2024. 
All right, that's Ben Shapiro being Ben Shapiro. A lot of sense. Uh, the line that I want to focus on, maybe it was always going to be this way. That might be right, right? And I, I never denied that here. But I think fighting the good fight and doing it honestly and uh, and forthrightly is always worth it, right? Like clearly I thought, and I still believe, that Ron DeSantis, because of age, because of policy, because of the picking the correct fights and all of those things, uh, was the guy for this moment. I'm not the king of the world, right? So the, the caucus goers of Iowa disagreed with that. That's just fine. Now I can either just fight and swim upstream and demand the world uh, acquiesce to me, uh, or I can see the world as it is, as we talked about yesterday. And I think Ben is completely right. Like we know DeSantis isn't gonna do particularly well in New Hampshire. That sort of looks like it'll be Haley's last stop. And then and then there's South Carolina, but, but Trump, Trump has this. So again, I think the best thing that we can do, but that doesn't mean it's not worth fighting the good fight. I, I just want to, as a sidebar for just a second, um, I voted for Trump last time. He lost. It was worth fighting for him. I fought very hard for him and he lost. I think it was the right thing to do. Uh, just two years ago, I fought very hard for the recall of Gavin Newsom and to get Larry Elder elected the governor of California. We lost, but it was worth doing. Like the fight, fighting for what you believe in, if you do it honestly, is always worth it. It doesn't mean you're always gonna win. Most people in politics don't win all the time, right? So whether it was the recall election of 21, I fought for DeSantis in Florida. He crushed it last year, right? Now I think we just have to get on board with Trump. Like it's just kind of how we have to do it. But, and this really is gonna be my focus as I just, said to you guys, what I am going to do, and I'm gonna to try to do really, really, it's gonna be quite a, a thread to, to have to get through that needle, uh, is push him to be a little bit better than his instincts might, right? It's not, I'm not gonna do this out of worship. I'm gonna do this out of pushing him to be honest, as honest as possible, to have integrity, and so that we can get back to something of an America that we all love, so that we can actually make America great again. I think that's the only way we actually win, right? Otherwise we just get more drama and the rest of it. So the data, look, I, I just can't deny the data. I can't deny the data. The data is telling us that whether you like it or not, Trump is our guy. Uh, and I wanna get to his victory speech. I think there were some nice moments in it and some silliness and everything else. Uh, but before we do that, let me talk to you guys about TWC Health. All right. So I've been talking to you about the wellness company and their medical emergency kit for a while now. And their next product is one that I believe every American should be taking regularly or at the very least have on hand for when necessary. It's called spike support and you're gonna wanna listen up. If you're not thinking that something is going on at this point with so many previously healthy people experiencing myocarditis, blood, blood clots, turbo cancers, menstrual irregularities, miscarriages, and the new died suddenly phenomenon, uh, you're not paying attention. The culprit is spike protein. Spike protein is a lingering threat from both the vaccine and the man-made virus. Links to all kinds of long-term health issues. Even Pfizer is now admitting there are quote problems. So many people, myself included, are looking for answers and ways to stay healthy despite the spike proteins that are part of our population now. And while we know the answers won't ever come from mainstream sources, truth-seeking doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Drew Pinsky, my buddy, and their team at Wellness Company are here to provide answers and hope. There's one question that these doctors get asked every single day, how do I detox? from the spike protein left behind from the vaccine and COVID. And thanks to the wellness company, there's actually something we can do. Spike Support Formula is a unique blend of natural ingredients, aims to block and dissolve 
spike protein in your body so you can get back to that pre-COVID feeling and stop waiting for the other shoe to drop. Their website has tons of testimonials from customers reporting increased mental clarity and energy levels amongst other things, whether they got poked or not. Reclaim your health with TWC at twc.health slash Ruben. Use code Ruben for 15% off at checkout. twc.health slash Ruben, code Ruben. In this fight for truth and medical freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to take control of your health. And now back to me. Okay, so as I said, and we all know, and I'm very happy that I assume soon enough we will have our governor back here in Florida and we're gonna strengthen this great free state. Uh, but Trump won last night. He is going to be the nominee. I don't really see any way around it. There's no sense of me bullshitting you. Now I probably, you know, I've had a lot of Trump people pissed at me over the last year. Now I probably have some hardcore DeSantis people pissed at me, but I, but I have to just tell you what I think. It's as simple as that. Uh, here is some of Trump's uh, acceptance speech, win it, well, not acceptance, he didn't accept anything. Here is his, uh, hey, I won tonight speech. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time, and most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout, what a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together. Uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, it would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. Okay, I don't know if we're gonna come together, Democrat and Republican come together, liberal and conservative come together, uh, but those of us who lean right, let's say, or centrist to a bit right, we should come together right now. And I think if, if he goes with that message, right, and now tries to fill in the pieces, okay, okay, Ron, I, yeah, I kinda lied about COVID in Florida, and yeah, you had nothing to do with Soros or Paul Ryan or whatever, like, we'll bring you back into the fold, and Vivek, you know, I hit you at the end there, but, you know, you're young and you've got something, then we can start building a coalition that will make sense. I don't think we're gonna have, like, like sort of this, like, um, Shangri-La of peace, right? Like, I don't think we're just gonna be like, all the Democrats are gonna be like, oh, Donald Trump's saying nice things, this is all wonderful. Like, maybe you say to Nikki, you know what, you're not a bird brain. I, I mean, I think it's very likely he will end up choosing her as VP, but we could get some roughly united group of people that believe in freedom and liberty together right now. And then again, the challenge for some of us that weren't thrilled with Trump this whole time will be to push him in the right way, not to bow, not to bow, I have no intentions of doing that. Uh, but if we're just like, all right, he is the guy, the reason I supported him last time around after not supporting him the first time is because he became a good president, he was side tracked by COVID and he screwed up a whole bunch of stuff, but we all know the country was in better shape and the world was in better shape while he was president. Uh, so I think his speech right there, the come together part, which was the, that was the main heart of the speech, I think was a pretty good indicator, hopefully of what a campaign might look like. He did thank Rod DeSantis and Nikki Haley with a little bit of Trump's classic humor. The senators, the congressmen from Washington, they came down from all different states. I want to thank you very much. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a, good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. 
And uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. All right. Actually, they both did do kind of well, right? They both got around 20%. DeSantis a little over, Nikki a little bit under. So that means that if you were to add Nikki and DeSantis together, that's around 40%. You throw in Vivek seven, that's 47% voted against Trump. But again, it just doesn't matter. He got the the 51% or whatever it was. Um, so, okay, that's Trump, little humor. You can see he's trying to bring the fold together right now. And I just, I think that's important, right? I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. It's like, I can, I can just sit here and tell you like, Ron's going to win New Hampshire and Ron's going to, and it's just like, probably ain't going to happen. Look, anything can happen at this point. You never know, but like, it probably ain't. Uh, anyway, here is Trump saying a little bit, he didn't get too far into what his plans would be, uh, but a bit about how we can rebuild some of our crumbling infrastructure in DC and in our cities. We want a country of law and order. So we're going to rebuild the capital of our country, Washington, D.C. We're going to scrub those beautiful marble columns and get the swastikas off them. And we're going to scrub them and get the graffiti off them. And we're going to clean the streets and we're going to rebuild the streets. And we're not going to have rusted medians through the middle that are falling down into the roads where foreign dignitaries from all over the world come and they look. And we're not going to be riding on top of garbage like I did just a month ago, riding on top of garbage. We're going to rebuild our beautiful Washington, D.C., and we're going to take control of it, and we're going to make unbelievably harsh penalties for people that go around shooting. Last week, they shot three people, and every night something happens. It's, uh, it's so sad. And likewise, we're going to rebuild our cities and we'll work with the Democrats to do it. I'd be glad to work with the people in New York. We're going to work with the people in Chicago and L.A. We're going to rebuild our cities and we're going to have to deport. We're going to have to have a deportation level that we haven't seen in this country for a long time since Dwight Eisenhower, actually. All right. So, like, it's... It Yes, he speaks in the kind of crazy way, but like directionally, he's right about all of these things. How about we fixed our, fix our crumbling cities? How about we deal with the crime and the shooting? How about we deport people who are here and we don't know what they believe or how they got here or what their intentions are? Like, again, that is all correct. And that is all stuff that Ron DeSantis believes, certainly. Now you can say maybe Trump can't do it, the swamps can eat him alive, we shouldn't be rebuilding DC, we should be dispersing the power structures of DC throughout the country. All, all of that stuff can be debated. Uh, but all of that being said, that's not really the, the enemy at the moment. The enemy at the moment is this administration that has ushered in, in essence, as I said at the top of the show, communism, Marxism, collectivism, Biden, Bidenomics, uh, DEI, all of those things. So here is Trump then going after Biden. So I don't want to be overly uh, rough on the president, but I have to say that he is the worst president that we've had in the history of our country. He's destroying our country. All right, that's pretty good, right? Like that's pretty, that's the Trump everybody loves. I don't want to be overly rough on the guy. He's the worst mother. Yes, okay. And, and that really... At least in modern times, that is true. And no one with their head on straight believes that Joe Biden is actually running the show or anything else. And now we will see uh, if, the, if the Democrats just push Biden out of the way or if he falls up the stairs or whatever else it might be. So now I wanna shift for a moment 
from the, the racehorse politics part of this, and some people like DeSantis and some people like Trump, and okay, can we pull this thing all together, uh, to the media's coverage of this, because largely what created Donald Trump in the first place is there was a media that was lying to us about everything. And not only was it lying to us about everything, if you questioned it, as you guys know, it called you a racist and a bigot and everything else. And it seems like it is just gonna continually go down that path. Uh, so as Donald Trump was giving his speech last night, uh, CNN actually cut away from the speech and, uh, well, listen to Jake Tapper. We're going to seal up the border. Because right now we have an invasion. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. Donald Trump declaring thing. victory with a historically a strong showing in the Iowa caucuses. If these numbers hold, State. the biggest victory for a non-incumbent president in the modern era for this contest. A relatively subdued speech as these things go so far, although here he is right now under under my voice, you hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric. You got it at the end there. So they cut away from the speech. Now, you can argue they shouldn't cut away from speeches or they should. Every network makes a decision. You know, sometimes if they're all showing the exact same things, one network might want to cut away so that you'll watch something different on their network, right? You'll watch analysis on their network while 10 other networks are just showing the same speech. It was the end line there, right? We're cutting away and under, under my voice, his anti-immigration rhetoric. Um, it's not anti-immigration to have a border. That is what put Donald Trump in the White House the first time, right? I'm gonna build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. Now that turned out, he admitted that was a lie. He didn't get much of the wall built, okay, fine. But that, that notion, right, that we have a country or we don't, that is what pushed him into the White House when you guys said it could never happen. And here you are doing it again. It is not anti-immigration to have a border. It is anti-illegal immigration to have a border, right? To talk about an invasion, what else can you call it when we see these thousands and thousands of people just wandering into our country? It is an invasion. So I just have no doubt that unfortunately, the media, much like the left, no matter how many things they get wrong, instead of ever having a self-reflective moment, Tapper might be like, you know, maybe I should think about this a little bit differently because I don't want you, uh, Donald Trump as president again. No, they are just gonna double down and double down and double down. And by the way, of course, it is not just CNN doing it. Here is Rachel Maddow on MSNBC. Interject. Sorry. I'm sorry, I just have to do a little bit no. of business just for a second. Um, at this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, we will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, the reason I'm saying this is, of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. It is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, and honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. But there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. That is a fundamental truth of our business and who we are. And so his remarks tonight will not air here live. We will monitor them um, and let you know about any news that he may. 
That's so incredible. She will not knowingly broadcast untrue things. This is a woman who puts up all of the progressives to lie about everything all the time. She lied about vaccines. We've played all of the clips of her getting everything wrong. They, they have no problem having former employees of Joe Biden, Ken Psaki, interview Joe Biden on their network to promote his lies. Like, okay, they just like lies one way. But again, I'm, I'm, I know that's not, you're not going, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. I'm just trying to show you, they are gonna do the exact damn thing that they did last time, whether it is CNN or MSNBC. And it's like, it's also, I know you're not an MSNBC viewer if you're watching this, but the way they treat them like children, we can't show you what he's actually saying. If we deem it okay, once, once we go through it, you know, we're gonna flip through the papers and we'll, we'll, we'll check what you can see and then we'll let you see it afterward. It's like, who wants to be pandered to that way? I guess we know who, well, it's actually not that many people because their ratings aren't so great. Anyway, I was very excited about this clip because we have not shown you a clip of Joy Reid in quite some time. I don't know what happened to her. We used to make fun of Joy Reid all the time. She's back, her hair is blonder than ever, which I'm pretty sure is cultural appropriation, but I guess she's allowed to do it. And you're not gonna believe what she's blaming Donald Trump's win on. Well, Nikki would have done better, but you know, races. New Hampshire. And I think to the point there. that you made, Steph, I mean, it, it's the elephant in the room. She's still a brown lady that's gotta try to win in a party that is deeply anti-immigrant and which accepts the notion that you can say immigrants are poisoning the blood of our country. She's getting, you know, birthered by Donald Trump. Um, and I don't care how much the donor class likes her, which will ramp up a lot, the better yeah. she does in New yes. Hampshire. So it's still a challenge. I don't see how she becomes the nominee of that party with Donald Trump still around. I can't picture it happening. Maybe it could happen. Ron DeSantis' only argument for staying in it is he's the white guy that he can still make the appeal to white people. While we it's, it's so evil what they do. And again, I'm just showing you this to show you they're, they're, they are literally putting it in our faces on night one of any votes being cast in a primary. We did it exactly this way last time. We're gonna do it exactly this way this time. Like it's the same freaking script as if they, yes, Ron DeSantis is only staying in because he's a white guy. And Donald Trump, Donald Trump barely said anything about Nikki Haley. He called her bird brain. Nikki Haley didn't win because there isn't a cohesive set of views that she has that works for conservatives in a Republican primary. That's why she didn't win. I don't. I literally don't know one person. I did, and I'm and I'm a pretty online guy. I didn't see one person going after Nikki Haley because of her ethnicity or because she's not white. It's just pure nonsense, like absolutely pure nonsense. But that's all Joy Reid's got. So as long as we brought Joy Reid back on the program, let's give her a second clip. I feel like the, the important sort of data point, and, and you know, Steve talks about it a lot. He's, he's gonna probably talk about it a little more tonight, is that these, these are white Christians. That this is a state that is overrepresented over by white Christians that are going to participate in these tonight. caucuses, yes. especially tonight. Um, I today, earlier today, reached out to Robert Jones, Robbie Jones um, from the Public Religion Research Institute, knowing that we were going to talk about Iowa. And this is a hyper evangelical st white state. And he said the following to me Iowa is about 61% white Christian. The country as a whole is approximately 41% white Christian. And in Iowa, we're talking about evangelical white Christians. We brought her back, what can I tell you? Um, there's no, Iowa is not overrepresented by white Christians. White Christians might happen to live in Iowa, but that's okay. 
Uh, white Christians are allowed to live in certain places. Jews are allowed to live in certain places. Muslims are allowed to live in certain places. Imagine if, if the results of an election didn't go the way she wanted and then she got on air and was like, Dearborn, Michigan is, is overrepresented by brown Muslims. Or imagine if Sean Hannity said that on Fox. Like what all hell would be breaking loose. But these people are allowed to be subtly racist, constantly, always against white people, which again, between that and the border, was the thing that drove Trump. It was the rocket fuel that drove Trump the first time. And these dingbats are gonna do it again, right in front of our faces. And, and that blonde hair on that woman, that is not natural. I'm not, a, I'm not you know, a hair color expert, but something's not right there. Anyway, look, they got away with all of this racialization with cancel culture and everything else during the Trump era, and they're bringing it back right in our faces right now. And they would have done it to anyone, right? Like, I, how many times did I say to you, even if DeSantis had won last night, they'd be doing the exact same thing. They would be saying, oh my God, he's Trump with a, he's Hitler with a calculator, he's even worse. So you, you get what the script is, um, but they're going to do it again. And now here is where I wanna shift a little bit towards how we can all push Trump in a better direction. I do not think that just telling Trump you did everything right and you're, you're perfect and you're, you're God and you're our orange golden calf uh, is the way to do this. I think that the best thing we can do is say to Trump, there are some things you screwed up when you were president. There are some things you screwed up as a candidate. And if we, if we nudge him in the right way, I think the, the good thing about Trump is that he is able to hear those things and adjust accordingly, right? Like when you look at Trump, he isn't, uh, for all his flaws and all the craziness and all my frustrations with him, he isn't like so rigid in his ideology that he can't shift a little bit. So I think it is important that if we, if we go back and we point out to him, here are some of the mistakes along the way, let's be a little bit better right now. Imagine if he leveled up but if we just worship him, he will not level up. So let's let's go back uh, just a little bit. Well, first let's go back to the thing that we're fighting the most, right? Because the thing that we're fighting the most uh, is, is Joe Biden and the craziness. So uh, let's go back to the type of weaponization of government and the way that these people have tried to control every bit of your lives. You may remember this one from January of 2021. With COVID cases surging and deaths now five times higher than just a month ago, President Biden is requiring tens of millions more Americans to get vaccinated. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you. Employees who refuse could be punished, even fired. If you want to work with the federal government and do business with us, Get vaccinated. And by the way, show some respect. Awful. It, it, it's worse every, I know we've showed you that clip before, but it's worse every time. As time goes by, as, as time goes by, it gets even worse. So that is the inclination. That is the, uh, that is the ethos of what we are fighting. These people who want to control you right, who wanted to inject you and wanted to make sure you had to stay home. And we know whatever it is, whether the next thing's COVID or whatever, like the people whose inclination is we are the government and you better freaking obey us. That's a problem, right? And what's another problem with these people? Before I get to how we can nudge Trump in a positive way, another problem with these people is that they use the levers of government to quite literally remove their opposition from the ballots and to put their political opponents in jail. Trump's not thrilled with that. 
I think it's very unfair when a opponent, a political opponent, is prosecuted by the DOJ, by Biden's DOJ. Uh, so they're losing in every poll. They're losing in almost every demographic. Uh, numbers came out today that are uh, really very mind-boggling if you happen to be Joe Biden. And I think they feel this is the way they're going to try and win. And that's not the way it goes. That'll be bedlam in the country. It's a very bad thing. It's a very bad precedent. As we said, it's the opening of a Pandora's box. That is all just true, right? Like that is just true. If you start jailing your political opponents, if you create all of these uneven uses of the court system, right? Oh, that president declassified this, this ex-president declassify that. We're only going to go after the Republicans. We're going to remove them from ballots. We can all see that. And, and again, ironically, you know, it's funny because in some respects, what the, the idea of the border and calling everyone racist and all that, that, as I said, that was the rocket fuel the first time. They're going to use that again this time, but they've given him extra rocket fuel this time because with all of these selective court cases and going after him and removing him from ballots, they're adding more rocket fuel. It's like if they would just stop doing all of this nonsense, he wouldn't have the rocket fuel, but they're giving him rocket fuel and whether you like it or not, he has that rocket fuel. It is just true. And then of course, the other thing, is that they are intentionally trying to destroy this country. So all he has to get up there and say is, hey, I'd prefer not to destroy the country. Like, for example, the border invasion that Jake Tapper didn't want him to talk about last night. Well, here's just more video of it real quick. So yes, that is an invasion and it is happening every day and it is not anti-immigrant to say that those guys who all look like they're about 25 to 35 years old, fairly well-dressed, no women, no kids, no old people, no huddled masses, it is not anti-immigrant to say, sorry, you can't come. But this is, again, they've given us this, <laughs> they just frame things every, every which wrong way. Now, of course, the other part of this is that, as I often say, the Republicans basically suck Two, we showed you this yesterday. Uh, this is uh, the Schumer-Lankford border deal that is up in the Senate right now. So it's bipartisan. And here are just a couple of the bullet points on it. Uh, increased green cards by 50,000 a year. Work permits for adult children of H-1B holders. Immediate work permits to every illegal alien released from custody. That's basically everybody. Taxpayer-funded lawyers to certain UACs and mentally incompetent aliens like a mentally incompetent alien is going to show up and get a government lawyer. Like what? 5,000 migrants per day allowed into the U.S. restricts parole for those who enter without authorization between ports of entry. So you get it. Like it's not just the Democrats that suck. The Republicans suck too. And that again is another thing that has added rocket fuel. If the Republicans were, if the base of the Republicans were pretty good, then Trump wouldn't have this need to be this insurgent blasting through the Republican Party. It's why I always say I'm a Florida Republican, but I'm not a national Republican. And then, of course, there's the economy. We've got some info here from the Heritage Foundation. 
Uh, Americans are feeling the pain at the pump and at the grocery store. Inflation is at a 40-year record high. Yet President Joe Biden and his administration say the economy is better than ever. Inflation rates hit a 40-year high last week, coming in at 9.1%. The cost of everyday staples is also increased. The price of eggs went up 33%, meat 8.2%, gasoline 60%, used cars 7%, and air travel 34%. This is all in addition to supply shortages, yet as the economy is flashing huge red warning signs, President Joe Biden and his administration are telling us something different. Okay, so you get it, there are some problems. Again, I barely need to read those numbers to you because you go to the store, you see what's happening, you go get gas, you know what's going on. And then of course the other piece of all of this is that it does feel like the world is in a very precarious spot when it comes to foreign policy right now. There is a war, there's a Ukraine-Russia war that we don't really talk about anymore. Who knows what's going on with that? Uh, there is a war in the Middle East that absolutely could turn into something much wider. Some more stuff happened with Iran and Iraq yesterday. Um, so now let's flash back for a moment to uh, when Donald Trump was, uh, well, this is, this is Jared Kushner, who obviously Donald Trump's son-in-law, but was one of the key advisors of the Trump administration. Uh, and here he is, uh, talking about the difference between the Trump administration's foreign policy and what we're getting right now out of the Biden administration. I would love to ask you about leadership, especially on the, on the side of the United States. What has uh, the current administration, the Biden administration done different than the Trump administration as you understand uh, that may have contributed to the events we saw this week? The Biden administration came in uh, number one, uh, they 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 started insulting uh, you know Saudi and Russia. Oil prices went up. At the same time, what they did was they stopped uh, domestic production uh, of oil. Uh, they made it they disincentivized uh, a lot of oil and shale uh, uh, production uh, with regulations. They they stopped pipelines. Oil prices went up. Um, they stopped enforcing the sanctions against Iran, probably to get the oil prices lower to make up for uh, what they were doing. They ran to Iran to try to make a deal. Uh, they started funding the Palestinians again right away. Uh, and then overall, just projecting a lot of weakness uh, in the region. So uh, one of the, the most um, embarrassing examples is what happened in the United Arab Emirates. Again, an amazing, probably one of America's best allies uh, over the last you know, 20, 30 years. Uh, they have rockets shot into their country from the Houthis. And they basically don't get a call from the US for 17 days. They need their equipment that they buy from the U.S., which creates jobs in the U.S. They need it restocked. We don't call. So they've severely degraded the trust that we had to rebuild with our... Okay, that's Jared Kushner, who was one of the key architects of the Abraham Accords, uh, peace in the Middle East, which is what we were attaining, which is, that feels like a lifetime ago. It was, it was two and a half, it was, you know, basically three years ago. And now it's as far gone as it possibly could be. The Middle East is basically in, in, in the worst place it's been in the last hundred years. Um, that's what's happening right now under this Biden administration. And Jared lays out uh, many reasons for that, right? Uh, then of course there's Ukraine. We don't know what the hell is going on there anymore. But now I just wanna take you back to a couple of the other things that have happened since Joe Biden has been president. Now we know when Donald Trump was president, the Democrats unleashed the base on the streets and we had our summer of love and there were violence in the, you know, in the name of diversity and inclusion, we were burning down mom and pop stores and everything else. Well, it is back now and this time it is back instead of, instead of under the BLM Antifa banner, it is now back at, with these pro 
Hamas rallies. We didn't even show you this clip yesterday, but over the weekend, there was a crazed group of people outside the White House trying to break down the fence at the White House. Rioters, uh, I don't think anyone was arrested or maybe one guy was arrested. Uh, and it's all coming back right now. This is the Democrat base, but they're even going after the Democrat administration right now. That's happening right now. And the question is for Donald Trump, and I'll get a little to this a little bit more at the end, will Donald Trump treat those people a little bit differently than the Biden administration does or that blue city uh, mayors are treating them, which they're treating them with complete impunity, right? Just do whatever the hell you want, ransack things, pull down monuments, spray paint all over stuff. Literally at the gates of the White House, they're doing that. Nobody was arrested. That's what's happening under this administration. There is a constant test of what our society will, will, is willing to take. And we seem to be willing to take a lot of shit. Uh, but what else has happened? Okay, so you've got the violence on the streets. That's starting up again. We can see that. It's, it's just very clear. They can close bridges whenever they want. They can block, uh, they can march. Literally, yesterday, the pro-Hamas people in New York City were marching outside of the Sloan Kettering Cancer Institute and shouting. Can you imagine you're, you're trying to recover from cancer and you have a bunch of terrorist supporters outside? Like, it's just completely insane, but that's fully back. Well, what else has happened in these last two years? We've seen the complete collapse of our education institutions. The, the pinnacle of that being this absolutely absurd story where three Ivy League college pre uh, presidents refused to condemn anti-Semitism on their campus. You may remember this one from a couple weeks ago. Uh, Claudine Gay, now the ex-president of Harvard. Do you believe that type of hateful speech is contrary to Harvard's code of conduct, or is it allowed at Harvard? It is at odds with the values of Harvard. Can you but not say here that it is also... against the code of conduct at Harvard? We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, does that speech not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? Okay, you know the outcome of that because of the plagiarism scandal, not because of the genocide thing. She is no longer the president of Harvard and on MSNBC and everywhere else. They're saying it's because she's a black woman, but okay, fine. So I'm trying to connect all of the things that we are now fighting against. You want law and order on the streets? You want a border? You want to stop these, these Marxists from controlling the minds of college students, what else might you want to do? You might want to actually stop them a little bit earlier than college. Check out this clip on The View yesterday. Was it uh, last week? Last week I said, you know, my mom always says to me, she always says, David, you know, when you're talking about The View, that you always call Sarah Haynes, you never say her name, you always say her, she's the, she's the blonde lady. Uh, so I tried to give her a little credit. I said her name, but listen to this abject nonsense from the blonde lady, I mean, Sarah Haynes or whatever. I think there's there's more to it than that. Look, I think what it is is that um, 
black history and other things. Banning books has been weaponized for political purposes to drive people to the polls based on outrage because my poor little white kid is feeling bad because he's learning about slavery. That's ridiculous. Learning about history should not make anybody feel bad. We learn well, about it history. it should make you feel bad. No, well, but it's important that it makes you feel bad. Anna Navarro is just disgusting, right? Because if your child is being taught that they are bad because they are white, uh, yeah, you should have sympathy for them and you should get them out of that school. But then Sarah Haynes right there at the end, history should make you feel bad. No, it shouldn't. No, it should not. It doesn't mean that history is perfectly clean. It doesn't mean that the founding of this country is perfectly clean. It doesn't mean that slavery and everything is perfectly clean. But you can give an honest assessment without making kids feel bad about who they are. These, But again, I'm trying to show you how all of the bad ideas of the left have, have just leaked into every institution, cultural institutions, our TV networks, our news. We're not, gonna, we're not gonna show you Donald Trump. He says mean things. We'll decide what you need to know. And then of course, the next level of all of this is how it has also leaked into tech and our algorithms. Literally, the way you are able to see this video is if Google, if you're watching on YouTube right now, although I hope you're watching on Rumble, or locals, if you're watching on YouTube right now, there is an algorithm that decides whether you're subscribed to this show or not, whether you're gonna be put into the feed on any given day and see my show, what, what is next to it on suggested videos, and if they if they want you to, oh, you're watching Dave Rubin, we think you're thinking a little too much like Dave Rubin, we can get you to think a whole bunch of other things by clicking here, and you go, well, all right, that's what the algorithm does, except the issue is that the algorithm and Google's entire, Google, which is the most powerful company in the history of the world, is now, has now fully embraced diversity, equity, and inclusion. Check this video out. This is Google's DEI workplace training program. It's called Racism, White People's Role and Responsibility. If you had been taught equality from the beginning, you wouldn't be flipping out, but that's how hegemonic dominance works. And so I think that's why it happens. And we have to be willing to talk about that because it's really unhealthy. This white anxiety is a public health crisis in that regard. And that's why, you know, not only we were talking in the other room a minute ago before we came in here, you know, that, that it's not just the opioid crisis that we think about with folks killing themselves disproportionately, increasingly white working class folks who are, um, you know, using heroin or using over-the-counter uh, opioids, um, but they're political opioids. Turning to a candidate who says, you vote for me and I will take away your pain. I will bring back those jobs. I will make your life better. That's a form of an opiate as well. Okay, so what's the point of showing you all of this on the day after the Iowa caucus when I should be talking about hardcore politics? The point is that all of these cultural issues are the things that lead to certain candidates, right? They are, as I've said repeatedly now, the rocket fuel, the way the media behaves, calling everyone racist, you're white kids, we don't care about them, all of that stuff is what led to the groundswell of support for Donald Trump. The, the politi uh, politicization of our courts so that we go after political opponents. That is what led to Donald Trump and everything else. And what it also leads to when all of us see all this stuff all of the time and we see people rampaging through our borders and we see prices rising, it leads to a demoralization, right? So that you start walking around and you start thinking, maybe this country isn't that great. And you start thinking, ah, maybe we shouldn't have law and order. And oh, there's just trash on the street and nothing really works. And that's kind, and you know, you should be able to, attack the White House if your cause is just or whatever. So Biden and the Democrats have ushered in three years of political and cultural rot. It's not only on the Democrats, 
but this country is on its way to becoming unrecognizable. That's what demoralization over years and years does. Now I wanna show you a video, you remember this guy, this is Yuri Benzmanov, a former KGB agent, explaining exactly how you could demoralize a public uh, if you so wanted to. Dropouts or half-baked intellectuals are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind, even if you, if you expose them to authentic information. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his balls, then he will... Okay, so we have been infected at virtually every level. And then enough people start seeing that. And then what does that lead us to? It leads us to potentially what looks like the return of Donald Trump. So now what is the challenge? For anyone that isn't just uh, worshiping of Trump, that realizes he is just a man and he is flawed and he made mistakes and he still does his loose lies and all of that stuff. Well, I think there is something that we can do right now. So again, if you are the biggest DeSantis supporter, if you, if you absolutely hate Trump, but you hate the Democrats a little bit more, there is something that you can do right now. Uh, and it's, it's actually being moral and using honesty and integrity and, and fighting for truth and thus holding Donald Trump to a higher standard. I think that will be the mission for me for the next year is not just be like, all right, I'm just back on the Trump train and let's just do this thing. It's going to be, all right, Trump, you want four more years? well, then you're gonna have to damn well be better than you were last time. So let's go into a couple of the mistakes the guy made so that we are armed and, and we can then push him to be a little bit better. Uh, as you know, Trump did lock down the country and he lied about it and Fauci and whatever. So let's revisit some of that. Would you ever allow a shutdown in the future? You're talking about a COVID shutdown? Correct. No, I wouldn't. And I never did. We did the right thing. We closed the country down. Could have kept it open. And I could have done what some countries are doing. I had to shut it down. We did the right thing. Florida did shut down. Run to Sanctus, shut down. We're in a place called Florida and we have a great governor. A great governor knows exactly what he's doing. Terrific job. He just announced that the schools will be open. Governor's done a great job. Florida is down low now in the China virus. He shut his state down very violently. And you're open and you didn't close and you're it's just amazing, right? It's great. One of the greatest governors in our country and I know a lot of good ones and I can tell you there's some really bad ones too, but this is a great one. Governor Ron DeSantis. All right, so I want Trump to be better than that, right? I don't want him to, to spit in our face and tell us it's sunshine. That's not a phrase, is it? You get it. We can push him to be better than that, right? Because he knew he was lying about all that stuff. And I'll grant you, that's primary politics. And I guess he did it the best. It is what it is. 
But the other thing he was also lying about constantly was somehow that Ron DeSantis had a lot, he was a Paul Ryan accolade, right? He was, he, Paul Ryan was his master and he was coordinating with Jeb Bush and Paul Ryan. Of course, it was a complete lie. You might remember this tweet from Donald Trump. Don, I'm working, I'm working today to make you a little bit better. This is Donald Trump on Speaker Paul Ryan is truly a good man. And while he will not be seeking reelection, he will leave a legacy of achievement that nobody can question. We are with you, Paul. So, okay, that's a mistake by Donald Trump, right? Mistake by Donald Trump. Another mistake by Donald Trump. And again, guys, I know now if you're Trump people, you might be annoyed at me again, right? Some DeSantis people might be annoyed at me. Dave, you're, 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 he hasn't conceded. Now some Trump people, you stop talking about all the bad things that Trump did. But no, it's the only way he is going to be better. And he screwed up an awful lot of things like constantly hiring people from the swamp and then turning on them and everything else. So Don, you can't do this whole thing again from 2017 to 2020 understands that the job of attorney general is to serve and protect the people of the United States. And that is exactly what he will do and do better than anybody else can. Jeff Sessions was a disaster as attorney general, should have never been attorney general, he's not qualified, he's not mentally qualified to be attorney general. We hope Bill Barr is going to be as good as we think because Bill is a good, he's a great gentleman, a great man. And by the way, when Bill Barr, who's, you know, a coward, Bill Barr was a coward, Bill Barr didn't do what he was supposed to do. I fired him and he has great hatred. In his new role as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley will serve as my top military advisor. I have absolute confidence that he will fulfill his duty with the same brilliance and fortitude he has shown throughout his long and very distinguished career. Milley, frankly, was incompetent. The last one I'd want to attack with as my leader would be Milley. John Kelly will do a fantastic job. General Kelly has been a star, done an incredible job thus far, respected by everybody, a great, great American. I know John Kelly. He was with me, didn't do a good job, had no temperament, and ultimately he was petered out. He got, he was exhausted. This man was totally exhausted. He wasn't even able to function. I am confident that Jay has the wisdom and leadership to guide our economy through any challenges that our great economy may face. And you know, I had my own situation with Powell and I beat the hell out of him. I was not a big fan of Powell. I was rec he was recommended by some people I didn't like. Okay, so there's a couple things here. It's like, he was definitely a better president than Joe Biden. Is he a bullshit artist and a con man and all of that stuff? Yes, yes, he is. But he is also at this point, I think it's fair to say he's basically the presumptive nominee. So we can either push him to now be a little bit better. We can push him to maybe be a little more honest. We can push him to be a little bit of a better version of himself. And, and we can hold him to a higher standard or we can just worship him and the whole damn thing, all of the things that got wrong, all of the wrong hires right there and the idiots and the morons who were the best of the best before, they will all be ushered back in and then everything will be worse four years from now, right? So that is the challenge. The only way that we can beat evil and there is a lot of evil out there is, is by being good, right? Truth is the thing that is gonna set us free. Set us free. So not just worshiping and not just being, no matter what he says, we're just gonna love it, right? We're just gonna bow to him all the time, not just being compassionate all the time. We're going to have to actually stand up straight with our shoulders back, get a backbone like a ramrod and, and actually do something true. Jordan Peterson, ladies and gentlemen.
So you don't think that that came from a place of compassion? Do I don't care if it did. I don't regard compassion as a virtue. Compassion is a reflex, not a virtue. You don't think judicious com compassion is a virtue? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Compassion can come deep from the human heart and the human mind. I think. Are we talking about the same kind of compassion? Yes. Trying to understand the suffering. Treating of the world. adults like infants is not virtuous. I I see. But you you you. Well, compassion isn't treating. Adults like in, I mean those are just terms. Are you, are you but, sure? Okay, I whatever the term is, maybe eatable, love. Love is eatable maybe the compassion word. is. I mean, I, I suppose I'm speaking to love. You don't think those ideas came from concern? Love is compassion. You don't think love those... is a blend of compassion and encouragement and truth. Love's and complicated, truth. man. Yeah, if I love you, in it, if yes. I love you, is it compassion or encouragement you want from me? Yeah, the dance. Love, love is definitely a dance of two two humans. Ultimately, that leads to the growth of both. Well, yes. that's the thing. The growth element is crucial. Yeah, because the growth element to foster the growth element that requires judgment, compassion, and judgment. Well, even and have been conceptualized this way forever. Two hands of God, mercy, and justice. They have to operate in tandem, right? And mercy is flawed as you are you're acceptable. It's like, well, do you want that? Do you want your flaws to be acceptable? And the answer to that is no. It's so it's like, well, that's where the judgment comes in. It's like, but you could be better. You could be more than you are. And that is exactly what we need from Trump right now. Trump will not get better by worshiping him. If we all just, oh my God, he did it again. Let's get on the Trump train. Let's destroy everybody and blah. That will not make any of this better. You know what will make some of this better? How about compassion, right? With a little judgment and how about some truth? Wouldn't that be something? If we pushed him that way, that might be something and then we could get out of this. And I actually think he has it in him. I think he knows how to fight in sometimes what I would argue is an absolutely disgusting manner, right? The things he has said about DeSantis and the lies about Florida, the place that he and his entire family live and all of that stuff, absolutely disgusting. The way he manipulated people, millions of people who now hate Ron DeSantis, who, who knew he was the best governor, governor in America a year ago, right? So there's all the disgust stuff there. But with a little compassion, a little judgment, and a little truth, I know that Donald Trump can be better because he's a little closer to something honest and real than anyone on the other side. And he does have some of those inklings. You might remember this from a week ago, his town hall. A lot of time talking about retribution. And so there are questions about how much a second term of a Donald Trump presidency, second term, would be about retribution and looking backwards and grievances and how much would be looking forward. Well, first of all, a lot of people would say that that's not so bad. Look what they did. Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, the FBI, Twitter hoax, the 51 intelligence agents hoax, all of these different hoaxes that they did. I mean, you know, a lot of people would say that's probably quite normal. I'm not going to have time for retribution. We're going to make this country so successful again. I'm not going to have time for retribution. That's it right there, right? Don't run now on retribution and I'm gonna jail everybody and I'm angry at everybody and everything else, right? It looks like you're gonna get this nomination fairly easily. There's the court cases and everything else. But success is the ultimate winner here, right? Success for the country is the retribution, which I understand why you might want a little bit of retribution, but I now think it is on us to build Trump up so that he can be the best version of himself as opposed to the golden calf 
version of himself that many people want to worship. So we don't need to feed the delusion. We actually just have to angle ourselves a little bit more to truth. I actually think we can offer him a little bit of help. Maybe he's in a ditch, right? The world's up against him. He's in a ditch. Maybe we can offer him a couple shovelfuls of, uh, of soil. Have I told you guys the story of the donkey and the well? Take a listen. Iba un hombre caminando, tenía un burro viejo. Iban caminando juntos, aparece un pozo y el burro se cae del pozo. Entonces el hombre trata de rescatar al burro y no podía, no la fuerza no le daba. Como no le daba la fuerza, va y pide ayuda. Tampoco tenían fuerza para sacarlo. En lugar de seguir tratando de sacarlo, dicen, bueno, es viejo, déjalo, enterralo vivo. El burro del otro lado dice, pará, loco, yo lo tuve tantos años al lado tuyo ayudándote y ahora me tira tierra le empiezan a tirar tierra y lo querían enterrar vivo ¿qué es lo que sucede? en la medida que le van tirando tierra adivina que descubre el, el burro que con esa tierra la puede reacomodar e ir estando más arriba y en un momento cuando creen que le están tirando la palada final sale del pozo a mí esta manga de delincuentes con sus socios mediáticos fauteros y sobrados han tratado de matar sos el burro en la parábola exactamente so that is Malay, stronger, what did he say, stronger and higher than ever before as he gets out of that ditch. That's what, that's what Donald Trump could be. That's what he could be. There's all the frustrations that I have with him. This thing, as far as I can tell at the moment, did not go the way that I think would be best. I think I actually think, I think in my heart of hearts, there was a better way. Okay, it is what it is. Here we are. I see the world as it is, not as I wish it to be. So truth is the it, truth is the soil. You are the shovel. Use it. People of the internet is live at 1 p.m. Rubenreport.locals.com. Postgame show in 30 seconds. We leave you with a cold close of uh, the guy that I'm not going to vote for being creepy back in 2014. Goodbye. Vice President Biden moving in close to sell the Affordable Care Act to a young woman outside Butterfield's Pancake House in Scottsdale. Everybody young signs up for health care. It's affordable. You can get subsidies to do it, and it's in your interest. And if you don't even want to do it for yourself, do it for your parents. Give them peace of mind. Turns out that woman is not even a U.S. resident. She's visiting from Canada. I just didn't know if I should just say I'm sorry. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.